If discovering your purpose has ever felt overwhelming, like too much, you just aren't sure if you have the courage, please listen in. If your purpose has ever felt evolving, you felt like you have purposes, plural, listen in. I am thrilled. I am honored to welcome today's guest. I have on Plan Go Plan, Danette Haig, who is beauty from ashes. She is a wife, a mom of four, a child of God. She is an inspirational speaker, a life coach, a registered nurse, the co-host of the podcast, Listen Soul Sister. She's also the 2019 Colorado Woman of Courage and Mrs. Colorado 2021. She's founded a really unique and meaningful nonprofit called Hero Haven for first responders to help them combat the cumulative trauma they often carry. Y'all, Danette is living fully. She is living fully and she has, she has a powerful story that I'm excited to share with you. My hope for you is that this episode will offer you hope. That regardless of whatever challenges life has brought your way, that you might discover your evolving purpose. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If so, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, planner addict, and recovering overachiever. After years of hustle and grind, I was tired of trying harder. I was ready to try easier. At the intersection of research, practice, and play, I found a purposeful path to planning and goal setting that is fun, simple, and sustainable. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I will equip you with tools and practices to clarify purpose, reclaim time, and achieve goals playfully and lightly. Let's get started. Before I invite you in to listen to this really powerful, really meaningful interview conversation that I have with Danette Haig, I do want to let you know of some different ways that I can provide support for you. If you are someone that's looking to clarify your purpose, if you're looking to reclaim your time, if you're looking for the extra support to actually follow through and achieve those goals, how can you do that? I'm here to help you. There are three different ways that I can provide you with some support. The first way is this podcast, subscribe. So subscribe to this podcast. That's an easy way that I can help you out. The second way that I can help you out is by joining our free Facebook community. I'll make sure I link it in the show notes, but it is a place that if you have questions for me, I can answer them for you. You can get support from other like-minded people. Join the community, participate, engage. It's there for you. The third thing that I can do to help support you and to help you really align your values with the way that you're spending your time is, and I'm super excited about this, is I am going to open up coaching, time management coaching to my podcast listeners. And I'm doing this at a very affordable price. Um, Right now, I'm actually charging about half what I normally do. So if you go on to plan, goal, plan, backslash coaching, I'll also link this in the show notes, you can sign up for one-on-one coaching sessions with me and I will work you through a process. I've been working on this formula for quite some time. I will work you through a process that is going to help you take control of your time and to make sure that you are spending your time 
in the way that matters most to you. I'm so excited that I'm finally in a place where I can offer this to you all. And so go check that out. It's only going to be at this price for a certain amount of time. So check it out while it's super affordable. Um, I hope to connect with you all either through this podcast, through Facebook, or through one-on-one coaching. All right, let's listen to this interview. I am so thrilled to welcome today's guest, Danette Haig. She is beauty from ashes. I had the opportunity to connect with Danette through a mutual friend, and I really understand why this mutual friend wanted us to meet. We are two people who really value storytelling and we recognize the transformative power of storytelling. I think that we are also people that really want to live fully and we want to make sure that we are living our purpose. And so I'm so excited to have Danette with us today to tell her story and to share what she's learned about her own evolving purpose with you all. So welcome, Danette. I'm so excited to have you here. It's an honor. Tell tell my listeners a little bit about you. Tell us your story. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm happy to be here with you, Danielle. I just appreciate the invite and for Darcy connecting us. I just love it when we have connectors in our life to, to bring us to other similar beings. So, well, my story, gosh, you know, it's, it's like everybody else, a life journey, but when I was 10, I was in a house explosion and burned to almost 70% of my body. Wasn't supposed to live. I spent like two, two and a half months in the burn center in Iowa City. So I was living in Iowa at the time. I live in Colorado now. But man, and just the journey of having your life changed in one instant. I was just happy go lucky, little farm girl. Life was great. And then in one instant, and it all just depended on where you were at in the house that one time. And so, so many things about it were divine. There were so many things we had out of our control. I mean, it was just hard. Like, as you can imagine, scar covered, like forever, those kind of scars don't go away. And no matter how far away you get from an injury like that, like when you go through life, everyone sees your injury for the very first time. And then you have to go back (laughs) and relive it again because of people's reactions or their questions or things like that. Yeah. How old were you? I was 10. I was 10. My dad was actually was a, it was a 4-H meeting and Darcy, who we know her sister was there that night. And that's kind of our connection. And we're reconnected for bigger ways at this point in our life. But so there's 27 people in the house because of the 4-H meeting. And most of those were girls ages about 10 to 13. My little brother who was eight at the time, Danny got severely injured as well. But my dad and my brother and I were the worst of all 27. And like I said, it just depended on where we were at. My sister had minor injuries and she was just on the other side of the kitchen than I was. And there was this huge difference in the trauma that we took with us moving forward. So, yeah, experiencing something like that, especially at such a young age where, you know, you're just trying to make sense of the world at that age to begin with. And so how how, as you, you know, grew up and how did you find, how did you find purpose through this experience? It took a, it took a long time because digging yourself out of, well, I mean, middle school and high school, let's get real. Like I was in fourth grade when this happened. So all those, those dating years, those finding yourself years, those years of exploration, who am I? What do I want? I mean, all of that was 
added, the stress of all of that was just added too, because I was in and out of hospital till I was 19, having surgery after surgery after surgery. So it was just complicated. And I think the biggest gift that my parents gave me, they didn't know how to talk about it, which was really hard growing up. But on the other side of it, they never said, well, you can't do that because you're burned. You can't never put restriction on us. They just expected us to jump back in life. My dad did. He got back to volunteering. He got back to being full-time farmer. He never sat around and felt sorry for himself. So he set this beautiful example for us to find ourselves again. So in high school, I was in, I was a cheerleader. I was in, I sang in choir and competition solos. I sang the national anthem in the middle of our high school gymnasium. And we were just expected to find ourselves again. And so that I think became practice for me to continue searching, knowing that I could, did not have, the expectation was not to stay stuck in my scars. Didn't always know how, I didn't always have all the answers. There was not much communication because there's a lot of fear that if you talk about the injury and you talk about the hard stuff and the emotional heaviness, then people will cry or people will add to people's guilt or shame or all those other hard feelings. And so we just didn't talk about it, which by the way, doesn't work. That is not what I recommend. <laughs> and so I think it took me longer because I had to figure some stuff out on my own. The thing about doing it on my own was that I leaned into my faith. Mm-hmm. And that word to me is just like where you find your soul strength. It's not necessarily about my religion. It's not about me. My parents taught me one thing and I've kind of redefined it and grown it in my own way. I think as we all should, but because I had to do it on my own, I had to lean into something and my faith is what, what did it for me and, and listening to that guidance, that intuition, gut instinct, I don't know, whatever you call it, God speak, whatever was what led me to my life purpose? Well, life purposes. I believe that life purpose is an elevation. Mm-hmm. I believe we have lots of different purposes. Like your mom, right, Danielle? Your mom yeah. is I am. And when we are with our kids, that's our purpose. And our purpose can be just cuddling with them and reading to them and that kind of stuff. So purpose, I think, has this huge definition. But when I think of like life purpose, I think of those things we're called to do that are scary that make us feel like nervy um, and make us want to probably run away and not do them. Absolutely. I believe that's where our life purpose, that's where the direction we need to go. That scary stuff. I really, I really appreciate thinking about purpose as plural purposes. And because I do think that sometimes we think that we figured out our purpose and we follow that path for a little while And then all of a sudden we're like, where am I at? And that's why I do think that we need to have practices in place, you know, like your faith practice that keeps bringing us back to exploring what our purpose is right now, right where we're at. And so I really, really appreciate that. I know that you worked in healthcare for a while and that is not what you do now. So can you tell me a little bit about how you made that switch from one purpose to another? Yeah. So I went into pediatric nursing 
I wanted to be a nurse so bad. I had so much experience, nursing experience from the patient's view of good nurses and bad nurses, I guess you could say. And I learned both what to do and what not to do in all of those many situations. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to be a nurse. I'm a natural nurturer anyway. I can't help it. I can't shut it off. I just am as annoying as my kids get sometimes when I'm too involved in their stuff because of nurture. But <laughs> so I went into nursing and did pediatrics for many years. That's just my heart. I knew what it was like to be a scared kid in the hospital. And so I felt like I could give better care from the other side, knowing what I knew as a patient. Mm -hmm. And you know, interesting, that was an easy choice. Going away to college was hard. Moving away from my safe zone with all of my scars was hard, but I knew I wanted to be a nurse. So I was driven in that way. And the cool part, so my purpose today as a public speaker, as all the things I do, kind of putting myself on a stage, which is really weird because I'm just a shy little girl, seriously. So me doing all this stuff that I do today is like odd to me, but the idea came up when I was in college. And I was working at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. I was a nursing assistant at the time and would just go to whatever med surge unit they needed, you know, and I worked mostly evening shift. And one, it was like a Saturday because I worked, I was going to school at the same time. And I called in, that was way before websites and things like that. And so I had to actually call in on a phone and listen to a message that had each of our last names and then the unit that they needed us on. And my, after my name was a critical care unit and I never worked critical care to begin with. So I was like, what? And then what they said, they wanted me to go to the burn unit, which was the same burn unit I was treated on. Like it was a place of hell for me, if you can imagine, like pain all day long, um, so much trauma there in the treatment side of it. And I hadn't been back for like 11 years or something. And so I thought, man, can I even take care of fresh burns without being triggered from my trauma. I was terrified. And, but that calling inside that calling I was talking about this voice or this knowing, if you will, I needed to be there and I'd be like, okay, well, but I really don't want to. So maybe I can call in sick or maybe I can call and get a different, like I could have called the nurse manager and she would have put me somewhere else. But that feeling, you know, that feeling where you're like, no, I just need to do this as much as I didn't want to. So I did. I just sat there. I had my quiet time. I, for me, it's praying. And I just asked for strength, knowing that I just needed to walk in those doors again. And I actually walked to work as a two mile something from my apartment. And usually I drove, but that day I walked and prayed the whole way. And the cool part, it ended up being really amazing. The nurse manager heard I was on the unit. Um, and this huge hospital. And she came to see if I wanted to go somewhere else after I had been on the unit for an hour. And I said, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm good because there was a patient, his name was Steve. He was a professional drummer in a band and he was in a bad car accident. He was burnt about, I don't know, 70 to 80% of his body about like me, but he was sitting in his chair. He couldn't move. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't nothing himself. His arms and legs were in splints. And this man, he was probably in his late 20s, he thought his life was over. And he kind of wanted to have his life over. He had stopped talking to the staff. He was so depressed. And then bubbly little me with my joy and my scars walk in and, you know, take his vitals and just give him my smile. 
And almost instantly, Steve started opening up, asking me a million questions, saw my scars, saw my abilities, saw I could, how I could make a fist, saw I, how I could, it didn't stop me from doing my job. And at the end of that eight hour shift, I gave Steve hope that he would be a drummer again, that his life would be back. It would take a while, but he would be back there again. But Steve gave me a gift too. And this was unexpected for me, but at the end of that shift, I wanted more of giving people hope. That was something I wanted. And that has led me to where I am today, nurturing behind a microphone in front of hundreds of people, giving them hope. But if I hadn't walked in, I mean, it's interesting to think back then, moments like that, we all have them. Experiences where we walk into something scary and like how, and it was life-changing for me. Would I have had an opportunity in another way for that to come along or would I just still be doing what I was thought I was meant to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's so much listening and it's so much courage. Even when like your information was, Ooh, I don't know if this is where I want to be placed right now, but it was yeah. the listening and the going, okay, we're going to try this. Right. And trusting where this leads me. Yes. Yeah. And so how, you know, for me, I have, you know, my own faith practice, but also my planning practices are ones that help me kind of revisit what's working. It helps me listen. Yeah. It's part of my, you know, morning ritual, of listening and practicing listening, how, what advice do you have for helping people learn to listen? And then when you hear that, take action, that courageous action, like what you took. That's just a hard, that's such a personal thing to discover. And I think if you discover it in the little moments, like every day, like, how do I even feel at peace if my child is upset? How do I work through that? And what works for me to kind of surrender what I need to surrender? For me, I go, I move my body. I love running. Um, and for me, I get the best ideas when I'm run runs. And so I know that about me. I also am a writer. And so journaling is huge for me. And I've been doing it since I was in high school because it works find just finding those things. And if it's just sitting quiet in your own headspace, I think our lives are so full and can't we just grab a phone or a device and fill it with something, even if we have the moment. Um, and it's, it's honoring yourself by taking that time to just sit in quiet. I love candles of all things. I used to be deathly afraid of them. And I've walked through this whole process of actually sat in a room on fire. And that's another courage thing that I did to get over my fear of fire, but now candles are part of my spiritual practice. And when I'm writing, I light a candle and I just sit there and it just kind of clears the room for me. And it's, but it's finding what works for you. And I came up with a quote about courage because I think a lot of times we think courage is just being tough. And sometimes you just have to do it scared. I think that is a piece of it. But for me, knowing that my real courage is built when I'm to me, true courage is being brave enough to show the world your weaknesses so you can grow stronger. It's not about having it all together and, oh, I'm tough enough to do this. It's acknowledging that I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know my strength is built from doing vulnerable things. So that, I mean, I use that kind of thinking 
walking back into the burn unit. I used that kind of thinking when I had the push to become a public speaker. Again, I'm just a shy little girl. And I'm like, oh, I don't, what? And then I would go on a run as I'm getting this calling and I would go on a run and I got these ideas where I'd have to come back, come home and write paragraphs. And that's how my programs were born. Is having the space, acknowledging I hear the calling. I don't know what to do with it. I'm really scared. And praying about having the space, whatever that means to you. For me, it's prayer and meditation, but finding the space to receive it and just roll with it and see what happens. I really think that it takes a willingness to say, I'm just going to try. This is an experiment and I might fail. (laughs) And, you know, trusting that even if you do fail, that the knowledge that there's going to be something in that failure that is going to move you to where you're supposed to be. And so I I really love that. Yeah. And I think the opportunities will keep coming up, even if you deny it, like with my pageant thing, I, it came up and I was like, nope, I'm good. Nope. I'm good. Nope. I'm good. And I kept putting it aside for months and months and months and months and months. And God kept poking at me like, no, no, no you, you'd have to do this. And I had, and then I had opportunities that got me through it. Like I had this beautiful vision and I had, I went to my friend who had been Mrs. Colorado and I was really hoping she would say, no, I don't think you should do it. (laughs) I was really hoping she would just say, maybe this isn't for you. No, she got more excited than, than I could imagine. And it's like, here, call the director, get, get your, your hat in the ring. And I'm like, oh crap. (laughs) And so, so those, those, the validation will show up in small people and small voices and it'll keep coming that if it's really your purpose, it will keep showing up in one way or another. And you cannot like denying it once. If it's, if it's something that's coming from within you, you may be able to deny it once and then move on. If it's something coming from an actual life calling, it won't shut up. It will just get louder until you listen. And and then if you don't, there's regret, there's guilt, there's a sh- you're shooting all over yourself. There's, you just, you just need to do it. And, and, and I think, like I said, creating the life, finding the life skills that gets you through the hard stuff each day to remain at peace will then get you through the hard stuff as you, as you grow and grow and grow in your in your adventures and in life. And so it starts in the little things, the little practices. People just think, oh, if I I have these five things then I can do anything in the world. Well, you have to put them to practice in the small ways or you never will in the big ones. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Today was, it was a joy. If my listeners wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to listen to you speak, if they wanted to work with you, how can they do that? Oh my gosh. So I, well, my website is, beautyfromashesspeaker.com and on Instagram and Facebook, I'm beautyfromashes2021. So those are probably the main things. I have a podcast called Listen Soul Sister. That's been so fun to do. I have a podcast partner. We do that together. Um, And I, I think, you know, I think the big take home is when we talk about finding your purpose, it it goes down to faith or just believing, but it's not necessarily, it's not just believing in something bigger than you. It's this co-creation. It's also believing that you can. If you don't, if you just believe for God to come in and take care of it all for you, it's not going to happen. And if you're one that just believes that, oh, I'll figure it all out and I'll do it all myself, then you're not going to have, 
this divine guidance, that's super important too. So to me, it's a co-creation. And if you trust that you're going to be okay through it and trust that you have the skills because you're being called to do it, you must be equipped to do it. And so it's this belief in both things. And I don't think we can find our purpose. I don't think we can be successful, truly successful in the levels we're meant and created to be without having faith in ourselves as much as we have faith in something bigger than us. And I think our world tells us that we're less than, that we can't. I mean, we have all these voices around us. And sometimes my, my biggest bully was the bully in my head. And I had to kick her to the curb because what she said, it was just didn't get me anywhere. So acknowledging that, do you believe in yourself? If you don't, why? And figure out how to. Sometimes that's our biggest obstacle. Thank you so much, Danette. I'm so glad that Darcy introduced us <laughs> to each other and that I have had the ability to chat with you a couple of times now and then to share this with my listeners on Plan Go Plan as well. Thank you so much. You have such wise wisdom to share and and it's inspiring to think about how we can courageously discover our evolving purposes. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Danielle. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all. So pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.